Welcome to the First Right Podcast, a weekly conservative news show brought to you by Restoration Pack. I'm Doug Truax, founder and president of Restoration Pack. Today we're blessed to have Ned Ryan joining us again on our show. Ned is founder and CEO of American Majority, a political training institute for conservative leaders. He's the author of a great new book, The Adversaries, The Story of the Battle of Bunker Hill. And he also lives in the politically important state of Virginia, which is about to elect a new governor. All right, Ned, welcome back. It's so great to have you on. A big occasion, too. we got a couple things to talk about. We're going to get to the Virginia governor's race. But, uh, but first, the new book, Killer. You have got, uh, you got the book thing going, and you're a great author. And I tell you, when we were together at uh, an event in um, July, we were at dinner, and you were talking about all this. I thought, man, this sounds really interesting, and you're fired up about it. And uh, it came out, you, you know, and here we are. It's, it's great. Uh, I would say to kick off the conversation on it, I really was surprised at the, um, the amount I was taking in. Because, you know, historically, you go to history classes, right. and, you, you know, you learn all these facts, and what day was this, and everything else. But the way you do the dialogue and the way you inserted events spoken by other people in the book, it really comes to life. So great job on that. But talk to that a little bit on how the format and, and how it's different than the normal thing. You know, it was, it was one of those stories I'd wanted to tell for a long time, Doug, uh, primarily about somebody who's always fascinated me, Dr. Joseph Warren, who was a young Harvard-trained physician in Boston at the time, uh, only 33, uh, just turned 34 right before the Battle of Bunker Hill on June 17, 1775. But, you know, Joseph Warren was a protege of Sam Adams, and it became this small nucleus of men, Sam Adams, Joseph Warren, Paul Revere, John Hancock, and Benjamin Church inside of Boston that were really the, the nucleus of the resistance against Parliament and the King's ministers in, in really what was very draconian measures to basically make the, the colonies submit, especially Massachusetts, submit to Parliament and the King's ministers. And the interesting point, Doug, in all of this was people want to talk about the economic reasons being one of the, the reasons that the American colonies declared independence from the mother country. But really what it came down to, and you realize more of this as I was doing research and I tried to insert this into the book, it really came down to uh, the, the idea of natural inherent rights. And the, the colonists on this side of the Atlantic truly believed that they had natural inherent rights given to them by their creator and since no earthly power had given those rights, no earthly power could revoke them. And what Parliament and the King's ministers at the time were doing were essentially saying, well, that's really nice. Those are more a series of suggestions in the here and now. We want you to pay your debt, that was, pay the debt that was accumulated to the French and Indian War. And you're also going to pay for the damages brought about by the Boston Tea Party. And if you don't, we're going to shut down the Boston Harbor. We're going to basically suspend self-governance in the colonies until you pay and the fact that you know, these, these patriots, Warren and Adams and Hancock, said, we don't think so. And it became one of those things where in the fall of 1774 in Massachusetts, British royal government essentially collapsed. And the American colonists, who, by the way, 85% of Massachusetts at the time was direct English lineage, these Englishmen truly said, no, we want our, our right to self-governance. And at that point, you realize there was going to be no compromise. And eventually, these events accelerated over those last nine or 10 months until we hit June 17, 1775 in the first set battle of the American Revolution, Bunker Hill. And I tell people, Doug, one of the reasons that Bunker Hill and, and this whole period is a, is a story for all time, it was principal defiance in the face of arbitrary authoritarianism in which they stood up and said, no, we have these rights. We believe that we have these rights even more so, Doug, 
We believe we have a right to defend them and we have an obligation to defend our rights as given to us by our Creator. To not defend them is to shame our Creator. And Parliament, the King's Minister said, if you don't, if you don't submit, we'll send more regulars, we'll send more warships. You will comply, and eventually it comes to Englishmen shooting at each other on the slopes of Bunker Hill and, and the beginning of the war for American independence. Yeah, it's so great yes. when you put it in that context. You had the whole story uh, just then. But in the middle, you talked about something that is the transcendent truth of all of this. And, uh, you know, there are truths above even our Constitution, right? All these things that there's the truth with a capital T. And you That's see... Right. What you're describing, and you know, we'll get into the uh, similarities of what we're going through today. But people, you know, kind of give up a little bit at a time, and the government kind of creeps in, and you're doing your thing, and it's like, well, I guess I can, I can handle that. Uh, but then there comes a time where it's like, okay, hold on just a second. What is going on here? And enough people realize, wow, this is really going to be a major problem for us if we don't stand up for like what you're saying. Our, our our rights above the rights that man gives us. We have we have certain set of rights above that. So that's the key piece here. And, and talk too about Dr. Warren and, and why we don't know about him and how this connects with him and what happened in his heart and his mind. So so a couple of things, Doug. I mean, one of the things I really wanted to do, and you noted this, I, I wanted this story to become alive and real as much as possible because I think oftentimes we look back at our founders and those men and, and even some women who said, we're going to be free. We're going to take our rights back. <clears throat> and they are these old paintings and, you know, pictures that we see staring back at us. But they were real men, real women who had to confront <clears throat> very real issues. And they had to decide for themselves, what do we actually believe? And then if we believe this, what does that lead to in regards to our actions? And this is one of the things where Joseph Warren said, <clears throat> we're going to have to fight to be free. And he was one of the first ones that really understood Doug, that England was not going to let the colonies go freely, and he became literally one of the first ones to say, we have to have a standing army, we have to start collecting supplies. I mean, this is one of the reasons that you had the, the fight at Concord and Lexington, is because General Gage had sent a force of men out to basically destroy all of these munitions that were stored at Concord, because they had been planning, they had been smuggling arms, they had been gathering gunpowder, muskets, all these things to be able to fight a sustained battle against the English armies so they could be free. And the reason we don't know about Joseph Warren and not to ruin the story, but it, it's it's well known if you know anything about him, on the day of Bunker Hill, he has been the president of Provincial Congress. He's just been a newly appointed major general in the new army. He decides, I'm not gonna send men to fight and die when I should be right there with him. If I, if I truly believe this, I'm going to go fight. He had to borrow a horse, he had to borrow a musket, finds his way to the Charlestown Peninsula, goes to the top, Israel Putnam's in charge of the forces at the top of the hill, on actual Bunker Hill, says, where's the fighting gonna be the heaviest? And Putnam points down to the Earthen Redoubt where William Prescott is in command and says, that's where the fighting will be the heaviest. Warren walks down, walks in, Prescott says, do you want command? Warren says, no, I'm, I'm merely here to fight. Where will the fighting be the heaviest? Put me where the fighting will be the heaviest. And so he fights that, that, that day at Bunker Hill, and as the Americans run out of ammunition, he's covering the American retreat uh, out of the earth and redoubt back up the slopes to Bunker Hill. And a British officer uh, identifies Warren. The British officers hated him. They absolutely hated Joseph Warren, uh, identified him and, and shot and killed him uh, as they were retreating. But, you know, the thing that was interesting to me, Doug, in all this research, Ronald Reagan 
in his first inaugural address, calls Joseph Warren one of the greatest founders uh, at the time, and we don't know him because he did die in Bunker Hill. But in his first inaugural address, Ronald Reagan quotes Joseph Warren, and specifically his address on March 6, 1775, where he's standing in the Old South Meeting House in Boston, uh, addressing 5,000 gathered Bostonians on the fifth anniversary of the Boston Massacre, and gives, I think, one of the greatest speeches in really that pre-revolutionary time in, in the American colonies, in which he says, our country is in great danger now, but not to be despaired of. You are to decide that important question upon which rests the happiness and liberty of millions yet unborn. Act worthy of yourselves. It's an incredible speech. How about it? That is, uh, well, and he's the quintessential guy you want to bring up if you're Reagan in that speech to talk about, of all of our founders, here's somebody you don't know about. Um, and and to, to your point about his, and you begin the book with this story, which I thought was a great way to do it, about him wanting to go to the front lines right. and understanding I, I view that now, and based on what you're saying, that's a connection probably in his mind that, look, I've been here a long time mentally. Like he, right. he you know, him and the other founding fathers, right, they were actually able to, through their own foresight, uh, wisdom from God, you know, all these things come together, and they basically can play it out. And they're like, you know what? This is not going to end well. And the only way we're going to have to, the only way we're going to get this done is we're gonna have to fight it out. And so right. Warren's one of those guys, and then he has enough conviction to, you know, I was in the army, always lead by example, right? He's gonna go That's up right. there and he's gonna do the thing that he's been advocating for. So he connected, the, talk about a guy of integrity. Wow, unbelievable. That's one, thing, that's one of the things I always say, Doug, is we authenticate what we believe by our actions. You know, we can say we believe something, but it's really what you actually do that authenticates, or quite frankly, doesn't authenticate what you actually believe. And Warren went with intent. I mean, this is just, it's an incredible story. It's one of those things where back in the day he was fairly well known, but over the course of time he's been forgotten. And I wanted to bring him back so people could understand what a singular man, and quite frankly, we could use more Joseph Warrens right now in this country in 2021 who say we know what we believe, and because we know what we believe, we're willing to go into action and take those risks, no matter the challenges, because we actually believe and know what we're doing is fundamentally right. Absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> I saw Victor Davis Hanson the other day say, each one of us now in our own station, ha we have to do our thing, That's right. you know, and, and it connects to this courage concept. I mean, I think you and I, it, at times it feels daunting, but I think you and I uh, are in that group of folks that are blessed enough. This is our full-time job which right. is really great because uh, uh, you get to fight it out. You get to decide which, you know, not only do you decide which side you're on, but you realize to be on this side, you got to fight it out. And, uh, right. and, and that's what we're doing. And, and, and you got to be courageous. And I tell that to everybody right. now, you got to be courageous. You got to go forward. You got to not care. You know, if you know you're right, it doesn't matter what somebody's going to say back to you. You got to say it and you got to, you got to stand up or they're going to push you down. Totally agree. I was just talking to a group of people in Oklahoma a few weeks ago, in which I looked out. There are about maybe a thousand of them. I said, the most important thing that you have to understand is, first of all, reject the premise from the left on basically everything. Be prepared to be called anything in the book, which I have been. But don't be afraid. You cannot be afraid. The, the thing that they want you to do to silence you is for you to be afraid. And you have to remove that fear and say, I'm going, I'm going to fight because I know what I believe and what I'm standing on is absolutely correct and right. And quite frankly, Doug, we're doing it not only for ourselves, but for future generations. And again, that's those, those words of Warren echoed down to us. Will a freeborn American people 
actually act worthy of themselves in 2021 and, and beyond because we have an obligation to not only those that came before us, but also those that are going to come after us. And what we decide to do now, or quite frankly decide not to do, is going to have a massive impact, again, on the happiness and liberty of, of millions, tens of millions, yet unborn. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, I'm always trying to build up those people that are being courageous. Um, I'm getting a little more aggressive now when I hear somebody say, well, you know, it's I'm checking out. It's over. You no. guys, I, you know, you want to you want to get under my skin? Say that to me and I will tell you, wow, how selfish is that? Given the prosperity right. that we've all had at this, this is the most prosperous time in all of human history, the greatest country in the history of the world. And we can't just let it slide away. You know, you got to stand up. So I, that's why I tell people, too, when they, they throw that at me about, hey, I'm just going to let it go. You know, you see that sometimes, too, right? Oh, a a absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we are the, 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 the American Constitutional Republic. The free American Republic is really the pinnacle of Western civilization. This did not happen by chance. You know, you talk about the higher natural law. Higher natural law is given to us by our creator. And what the founders did in our declaration, also our constitution, is they framed out what they thought that those ideals, those natural inherent rights and laws would look like in the here and now. And so I tell people, the constitution and the declarations I write about in my first book, Restoring the Republic, is merely framing out what they truly believed were these natural inherent rights as given to them by their creator. And then how do you frame out a government to actually put those beliefs into action and that's where, our, that's where our constitutional republic comes from. And that's the shame of what's taking place today because we've lost sight of the inspiration and the ideas that the founders had to actually construct the free American republic. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and the uh, 2020 hindsight thing is always interesting because we read so much of history like, oh, those guys, they knew they were going to win. You know, that's what you kind of think. But they didn't know at all. They, they, they bet it all. They didn't know if they were going to win or lose. But they decided... <laughs> You, you fight not to win. I mean, you want to win. You fight right. not to win. You fight because it's right. And if fight you lose, it's okay. You fought on the right side, you know? You just do the right thing. That, I mean, again, I, I, people are probably familiar with the story of when they're signing the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. yeah. You know, why are they going to hang separately? We'll hang together. We right. don't win. I mean, they literally were sac They were literally willing to put on the line everything, their fortunes, their sacred honor, everything, because they, they, there was no guarantee. I mean, at the time, remember, they're up against the British Empire, which was considered one of the greatest military forces in the world at the time. And again, there's more to that story, Doug, and we don't have time to go into it. But still, they realized they were up against extremely powerful forces. There was no guarantee they were going to be successful in 1776. They were willing to commit everything, even if it included perhaps losing and having to go to the hangman, hangman's noose. Right. But they knew what they were doing was right, and they truly believed it deep down inside. And again, I go back to... They believed that they had a right to defend their rights, but they had an obligation, and they were putting that obligation into motion. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's Our obligation right. is to the future, to the country. It's not to ourselves. It's not That's to right. our comfort in this time. Uh, we have to be willing to do what it takes. Uh, Great book. Uh, to move on real quick, it's funny, you know, every time we're together, we talk like this. It's not just a podcast. This is how we talk when we when we have a conversation. Uh, so, um, okay, so uh, speaking of fighting, so yep. what do you think about the Virginia governor's race? And just Virginia in general, you know, we're we're watching some things. We're about to do a little bit there. And, uh, you know, give us your take on, on what, you, what you see playing out there. So 
I would remind people this is a state that, that Biden won by 10 points last year. Uh, but things have changed dramatically for a whole variety of reasons, Doug. Uh, you know, obviously we're seeing a disaster of an administration in the first nine, 10 months in inflation, immigration, disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan. And then you get drilled down even to more Virginia specific, the whole issue of critical race theory, transgenderism, all of these things where school boards are basically telling parents to sit down and shut up. And Terry McAuliffe is even saying the same thing from the, the gubernatorial debate stage in which he said, well, I don't think parents should have any right with, to, to say what's being taught in public schools. That's not sitting well with, with a lot of people. And it's not just Republicans, Doug. I, I remind people here in Loudoun County where I live, Democrats and independents are also extremely put out by the Loudoun County School Board. And it's not over critical race theory. It's the fact that the school board has decided not to teach advanced classes whether it's math or anything else, and they're saying, we didn't sign up for this. <clears throat> so I think what you're seeing here in Virginia is going to be really interesting. It's basically a dead heat at the top of the ticket with, with Youngkin versus McAuliffe. Um, I think we've got a legitimate shot to win across the board on the, the statewide. It's going to be close. I think one of the interesting dynamics, and I, I know that you're aware of what we're doing here with American Majority Action, is the House of Delegates. You need to flip six seats to take the majority back in the House of Delegates. And I think... We've got an extremely legitimate chance, at a minimum, to take the House of Delegates back here in Virginia. You know, the elections are November 2nd, so less than three weeks now. But we're seeing some of these trends in which mid-propensity voters from last year to this year have shifted 10 points in Republicans' favor. Low-propensity have shifted 19 points in Republicans' favor. And we're seeing in some of these very specific House of Delegate races where, you know, there may be R plus one or so, and now they're R plus six. I, w I would be really actually pretty stunned, Doug, if, if we're not able to take the House of Delegates back at a minimum here in Virginia. And that would be that would be a pretty seismic thing, especially in a state that Biden won by 10 points last year. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, well, that would be a that'd be putting a marker down about uh, what's to come. And uh, you push it too far. All right. You push it too far. And, and not even the folks like us that are just totally dialed in or trying to watch what's happening. But the people in the middle who kind of watch politics a little bit, once they start getting involved and they say, well, this is screwed up, then you've, then you've definitely pushed it too far, which I think, you know, we need them to see our way because this is how this goes. Like we were saying a minute ago, they'll keep pushing until we push back. Well, and, and, the, and the other point I'll make is this. There was a poll that just came out yesterday in which respondents, 62% of the respondents said, what is the biggest issue for you in these upcoming November 2nd elections? It's education. Yeah. It, across the board, Democrat, Republican, Independent. And again, I remind people when, when Merrick Garland and the DOJ wants to sick the FBI on parents showing up at school boards, they're basically sicking them on Democrats and Independents as well. Because when we pulled Democrats and Independents on the doorsteps here in Loudoun County, 70% of them wanted to see the Loudoun County School Board removed because of the refusal to teach these higher math uh, courses and other courses. So, you know. I, I think this has the potential to have a massive backfire uh, on Biden, on Terry McAuliffe and other Democrats here. And, and I would remind people, Doug, the reason I'm optimistic, too, about some of the state house delegate races here, people should know up in Iowa, there was just another special election in the state house in which a district Democrats have controlled for decades uh, was definitively won with 60 percent of the vote by a Republican. I think there's this undercurrent taking place around the country in which people are starting to say, we've had enough. We did not mm -hmm. sign up for this. We're not going to take it anymore. And I, I tell people, 
Doug, Biden might not be on the ballot this fall or even next year, but you can punish everybody that's associated with him, whether it's this year with, with Terry McAuliffe here in Virginia or next year with anybody that's on the ballot, obviously in the congressional midterms. You can punish Biden by defeating everybody that's associated with him and send a message, we're not done yet. And we're going to actually fight to make sure that we can get the White House back as well, because what's taking place is a complete and utter disaster. But I'll also remind people, Doug, it's extremely intentional. What they are doing from day one is trying to dismantle our energy independence, our immigration, everything. It's not a mistake. It's not somebody made a bad decision. It's been intentional from step one. And the American people have to decide what do we want our future to look like. And the only way you can change the course in the immediate is to have political wins. Absolutely. 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 It's just coming down now to the choice between freedom and woke right. communism, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, do do you want woke communism? Well, I think a lot of people, uh, a lot of Americans are waking up to the fact that that's what they're after. And, you know, I couldn't agree more. The education system in our country has been suspect for a long time and in, in some places a complete shambles. And uh, this, this is, again, waking everybody up. And uh, speaking of education. Again, the book here. You like that segue? That was pretty good. I like that. Uh, so The Adversaries, really great book. I hope a lot of our listeners buy this thing. It is it is really well written. A lot of great content in there. And I uh, wish you the best uh, on the thank future you. of that. And the best in Virginia. You're doing a lot of good thank stuff. So thank you for that, too. I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for the kind words on the book and, and for the good wishes on November. I, I would say everybody keep your eyes on November 2nd. Uh, that night, and hopefully we're going to really send a message to the Biden administration on a variety of fronts. Absolutely. Let's do it. Thanks again for coming on, Ned. Thanks, Doug. Well, all right. That's our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and for supporting conservative media. Don't ever forget, working together and staying diligent, we conservatives can bring our country back to true greatness. So until next time, let's all keep praying that God will continue to bless America. First Right, a new kind of news summary without liberal slant. Every morning, in your inbox, always free. Subscribe now at restorationofamerica.com slash first right or text first right to 1-312-820-9167.